Since when has it become abnormal to not be inhumane? When inhumanity becomes normal, we have a problem. And David and Stacy, we have a problem right now. We have no leaders that are willing to step up. We need to man up, men, and lead the way like the warriors that we are. Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacy Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Today in the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we have real answers for some real problems. We're in a crazy time right now as a country, and we need leaders mm-hmm. to step up. And today we have Dr. Mark Sherwood on here with us today. Yay! Welcome, Dr. Sherwood. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I'm so honored to be with you today. Well, Doc, we, we love it. You know, I, I don't know if there's people out there that know that there's doctors like yourself that have had almost 10,000 patients and have lost zero with, with COVID-19. You have real answers mm-hmm. to keep them out of the hospitals, to keep them healthy, to keep them strong. And uh, we're in a really unique moment in time right now. People can follow you there at Sherwood2022.com. But I want you to watch this video that we have for you today and look at it from the lens of, of, of medical practice with you, Dr. Michelle, what you guys have seen, witnessed, and experienced over the last two years, and and also from through the lens of political leadership or lack thereof and what's led to so many unnecessary deaths. This is a shocking video, guys. Um, um, sit down, give it a look, and Dr. Sherwood, we just really like to get your, your uh, feedback and reaction to this. Okay, very good. Thank you, Senator, for giving me an uninterrupted opportunity to represent the harm that is coming to the patients in the American hospitals and the lack of early intervention. My name is Nicole Sirotek. I'm a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for over a decade. My specialty is critical care, trauma and flight. Um, since the start of the COVID pandemic, I've actually been rebranded, I guess you can say, as a leading expert in early intervention strategies executed on a large mass scale using the FLCCC protocol as well as um, ventilator or COVID patient ventilator protective strategies to optimize uh, COVID patients on the ventilators. My story actually begins back in May of 2020. I was one of the original nurses that went to NYC to help with the COVID pandemic because as we remembered, they needed nurses. And most importantly, they needed ventilators. Well, I was the whole package, a flight nurse that can manage ventilators. And when I arrived there, Um, the gross negligence and the medical, you know, malfeasance that happened in there and the complete medical mismanagement of these patients is what has led us to the situation that we're in right now. The pandemic and the hysteria that was created from poor public health measures and poor execution of appropriate early intervention strategies and the handicapping of medical professionals doing their job has led to where we are right now and into the crisis situation that we are in. I will use several key case studies that will represent larger uh, descriptive statistical information for what I'm going to speak of. But when I was in New York, and what continues to happen today is that many of them are not dying from COVID. Now, many people don't know about me is that I'm actually a master's prepared biochemist, and I have worked extensively with the HIV uh, virus tracking uh, genetic mutations. So I feel very comfortable going toe-to-toe with some of these doctors here, although I am not a doctor, I'm just a nurse. But what we saw in these front lines, we knew what was happening. And when we asked for the ibuprofen, they said, no, it was contraindicated. When we asked, like, why aren't we giving them steroids? Oh, well, it's not. We're just following orders. Following orders has led to the sheer number of deaths that has occurred in these hospitals. 
I didn't see a single patient die of COVID. I've seen a substantial number of patients die of negligence and medical malfeasance. Um, when I was on the front lines of New York, I'm unfortunately known uh, globally viral as the nurse that was in the break room sobbing, saying that they were murdering my patients. The pharmaceutical companies had gone into those hospitals and decided to um, practice, I guess you can say, on, on the minorities, on the disadvantaged, on the marginalized populations that we know that we had no advocates for because the very agencies that should have been protecting them were closed because we were sheltering in place. Now, while I was there and I saw that the pharmaceutical companies were rolling out remdesivir onto the patients, I tried to get a hold of the IRBs. I tried to get a hold of my appropriate chain of command. I tried CMS. I tried Department of Health. And they rolled out remdesivir onto a substantial number of patients for which we all saw it was killing the patients. And now it's the FDA-approved drug that is continuing to kill patients in the United States. As nurses, we've co collected a statistical or descriptive amount of information that you may not get from the doctors because for more they do quantitative data, we do qualitative data with a humanistic, phenomenological approach in nursing research. And so we've collected the data from all of these patients across the country from which we have been helping patients because I formed the organization American Frontline Nurses and the Advocacy Network so nurses could advocate for these patients. And all of this data pool shows that as these patients get remdesivir, they have a less than 25% chance of survival if they get more than two doses. Now they're rolling it out on children as well and into the nursing homes or school nursing facilities as early intervention when as Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Merrick have already demonstrated that there are cost-effective medications out there and we are going to see the amplification of death across our country. And we haven't even touched on the vaccines for which all of our expert panels have already very well described that situation, so I won't touch on that since many of them are by far superior to me than, than even I could ever hope to be. But I can tell you that two days ago, I, f I flew out my first 10-year-old with a heart attack, and I had to fight the doctor in the ER because he's like, 10-year-olds don't have heart attacks. And I argued back and forth for 30 minutes to force his hand to get an EKG to find out that he was had almost a complete STEMI, which is ST-elevated myocardial infarction, for which you could see it lit up on the 12-lead EKG. And he's like, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, he was just vaccinated yesterday. It is very much possible. At any given time, people are getting a hold of me and the nurse advocates at American Frontline Nurses to help advocate, because as you've seen, there is victim shaming that, it oh, it's anxiety, oh, it's this. But in actuality, if they put down that it was a vaccine injury, the physician, the corporation, the hospital, the clinic, they actually won't get reimbursed. So it gets labeled as anxiety or neuropathy or Guillain-Barre syndrome when in actuality it's very realistically a vaccine injury. Now, I'm not... Uh, even though I founded American Frontline Nurses, I've traveled extensively to South America, India, and South Africa, working in hot zones, stopping the spread of the virus, and working with early intervention. And nowhere in those countries, in developing nations, do I see these issues that we see here in the United States. It's actually, I'm a very proud American citizen. I come from a family of immigrants, and my mother told me that the United States is the, the best country in the world, though granted I am biased being an American. And our level of healthcare has been deteriorated to substandard 
third world nation healthcare. Whereas I tell people you are better off in South America in a field hospital than you are in level one trauma designer hospitals in the United States. As nurses, we are getting reports across the country from our American frontline nurses about patients not getting food, patients not getting water. How come a patient hasn't been fed in nine days? Why do I need to get a court order to force a hospital to feed a person who isn't intubated and who's literally telling you they would like food? Oh, well, you can't take your BiPAP mask off. Well, that's what us nurses are for. We're going to help you take that off and we're going to help you eat, but we're not allowed to. If you know if they're on a ventilator, they're not getting basic standards of care. I've had patients that haven't been bathed, haven't been fed, haven't been given water, haven't been turned. And if you ask me, this isn't a hospital, this is a concentration camp. Absolutely it is. Nowhere in the United States do we isolate people for hundreds of hours at a time with no human contact. It's not even allowed in the prisons. You are not allowed to isolate a prisoner for beyond a certain extensive amount of time because it is, again, it is horrible for their mental health and is considered inhumane. However, in these hospitals now, we're allowed to isolate patients from their families for days, and you have to say goodbye to them over an iPhone, as Jennifer Bridges has just demonstrated to us, or she has to shuttle people in to see. And personally, I was fired for sneaking a Hispanic family in to say the last rights to their family. And so thank you, Senator Johnson, for giving nurses the opportunity to come and represent our patients, because as you can see, we're not often thought of as uh, leading professionals, though we are the missing link between the doctors and the patients. So thank you so much for this time. Thank you for being a nurse. So, Dr. Sherwood, what are your thoughts after watching that? That was um, pretty hard to watch. Um, to think about that, it draws me back to uh, March of 2020. My wife and I were just kind of looking at this whole deal. and What are we going to do? You know, what are we going to, what are we going to say to the people? How are we going to treat this? And um, I waited, David and Stacy, for anybody in leadership to step up and say, we're not going to live in fear. You know, we're going to live in faith. But I didn't see it from government. I didn't see it from medicine. And frankly, I didn't see it from church. And it went right through me. Those that know me, I'm a gentle giant, but I got angry at that point. I really did. When I say I'm upset, I was really upset, and I and I wanted to do something about it. And so, when I when I saw that video, I wrote down those ten things. And that first thing that I wrote down while watching that video with everyone was uh, this idea of allowing fear to lead. Fear shouldn't lead with anything. When I look at fear, I think that's the epitome of cowardice. Courage need to lead. Faith needed to lead, and it didn't. The second thing I wrote down was. Clearly, that politics has limited the toolbox of physicians. Physicians don't go into the business to to kill people. They go in to heal people. And yet now we see politics and big pharma limiting a toolbox and saying you can only do it this way. My wife and I have been doing it a different way. And 10,000 people later, we're showing you and in the whole world that there's a different way to do it. You don't have to go down the pathway of this ridiculous treatment protocol that we're doing that's actually ineffective and we know it 
And number three thing that I wrote down, it's clear at this point that dollars are driving care. Dollars are becoming the leading thing over people. We talk about reimbursements. Why are reimbursements even factored into the discussion when a doctor's trying to decide what to do? The doctor should be able to do what he needs to do or what she needs to do with the ability to save lives, not be thinking about reimbursements. Our job is to save lives. Number four, when I look at these orders that they're given, you know, I'm a former police officer. If I was given an unlawful or ungodly order, I'm supposed to step up and say no. I don't care who gives you the order. If someone of a superior nature gives you an order, it doesn't matter who they are. Even if the president of the United States, if it's an ungodly order, you have a duty, not an option. You have a duty to step up against that and be in that interpositional place to save people's lives, even if it costs you your own. Number five I wrote down, clearly it's negligence. When I look at that, that statements about what's happening, I can tell you that this is happening every day. We receive these calls. The same stories are repeated to us every day. People not dying from COVID. They're dying because of a lack of care. They're dying from other comorbidities that aren't managed. They are not dying from COVID. The lethality has been inflated to create profit. I hope we're getting that. Number six, it's clear that big pharma is controlling everything. I love what she said about pharma coming in and practicing. The whole idea of practicing is many of you don't got it perfected and you got room for improvement. My wife and I don't practice anything. We do it. I'm not all about practicing. I'm about getting the game. It's game time, and we need to go out there to play the game to win, not practice to lose, and that's exactly what we're doing. Number seven, when I think about these protocols we're using, the FDA approved 25% success with remdesivir. Seriously? We need to wake up and understand that the FDA, the CDC, the Centers of Disease Out of Control and Lack of Prevention are miserable failures as far as leaders in the world trying to teach us how to be well. They've been failures for 50 years. And why in the world we got pharma, drug, tied with food, I'll never know. That is a marriage made in hell. It's a demonic relationship. They need to not be together. Number eight, it's clear to me that I wrote down the global populist who want to destroy the population by bringing it down. They have reductionism strategies because they don't believe this world can sustain this many people. We see them picking, literally picking on the weak and the frail. How evil can that be? That goes right through me. Number nine, we as a nation, we pay more for health care, averaging $7,000 per person per year for this thing called health care. But yet we're near the bottom David and Stacy, of results-oriented care. We're near the bottom of all the industrialized nations in health. So we pay more and we get less. We don't have sick health care. We've got sick care and we've got death care. We should probably name that for what it is. And number 10, this inhumane treatment, as she noted in that dialogue, is true. When we step up against that, we're looked at as abnormal. Since when has it become abnormal to not be inhumane. When inhumanity becomes normal, we have a problem. And David and Stacy, we have a problem right now. We have no leaders that are willing to step up. Very few, that is. Now, I'm a male, and I'm tired, sick and tired, of male leaders out there that are wearing 
their thongs instead of wearing jock straps. We need to man up, men, and lead the way like the warriors that we are. I'm sick and tired of the pathetic leadership we have. You know, my wife and I, we believe in the goodness of mankind. We believe in the goodness of God. I dream of this day, you guys, where, and I hope people can grasp this, for one day we can see pharmacies not popping up all the time and actually shutting down because they're not selling so many medications. Or all these corner minor emergency care places are closing up shop because they don't have enough business. I dream of the day that the hospital systems that are out there for profit, making sickness and people money profit-centered. I dream of the day where those hospitals will be boarded up and we'll have less of them because they can't find enough patients. We can turn this thing around, but we've got to begin to get that dream I just laid out there for you because we don't ever need to have this situation repeated anymore in these great United States of America or around the world. Man, I I love everything you had to say. You know, we're, we're blessed to be patients of yours and all Mm -hmm. of our family. You've walked so many people that we know and love and care about through COVID. You know, many of them like us came out feeling stronger on, on the back end. The thing I love about walking into your clinic and, and, and when we're in your office is you and Dr. Michelle, amazing. She's Val Victorian of her medical school. You guys have access to everything that anybody, you could prescribe narcotics and different, you know, whatever, everything that anybody have access to, you do. But your move, your play is you got this giant vase there that, that we've seen. There's a picture there of it. it. Is. You could fit us by a small person inside that thing. And yeah. it, it, it's full of people that are getting off of medications. Not not how many more you can get onto it. You're not incentivized by the pharmaceutical companies. You're incentivized by a love for your patients and getting them free of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and actually and having living them- a healthy life to really thrive and not just survive through this life. Yeah, very well said. We're we're not in this to um, to get people prescribed and to get them hooked into where big pharma and pharmacies have your credit card on file and auto order, auto ship. That's goofy. Mm-hmm. We're not anti medications. People should understand that. You know, we're some of the most brilliant people out there, and the brilliant formulations we have are medication oriented. Mm-hmm. Pharmaceutical industry is not a bad thing, but when you prescribe a medication, the mindset should be. I'm going to prescribe this along with an exit strategy to get you off of it. So we need to be on these things as short a time as possible. One of the mottos we have at the clinic is to eliminate the unnecessary uses of medication. And we're all about that. It gives me great thrill when I see that pill bottle, big vase just spilling over. And that's what we're about. I, I want to see people get their lives back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. And that's what it's about. Now, we're, we're in an interesting position, you know, here because, uh, you know, last week we had Dr. Zelenko on. He was President Trump's, you know, physician as, as he went through COVID. Rudy Giuliani and several of them and just thousands and thousands of patients, you know, successful, you know, er, early on. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough is going to be on next week. We you know we have conversations with you. We're in an era where those people are are, are, are canceled are are. Uh, Nobody hears from them. They're not highlighted on the news networks. Mm-hmm. People are so full of fear. They don't know there's people like yourself. They're just just short of 10,000 patients With without zero any, deaths. No deaths. Zero. I mean, zero. That is, that's a miracle. That's absolutely amazing. 
Well, it's amazing, but, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, this should be the norm. I mean, we should be celebrating this. This should be front page news, top stories on every network available. If we don't understand we're being just completely brainwashed by propaganda, by the suffocating socialistic movement, we need to wake up Mm -hmm. and we need to understand that there is a better way. And it's called doing things right, leading to this thing that we call life. Seems really simple. So those guys that get, they get canceled. The way that people can continue to, to, to hear from you for one is you you got fed up. You decided, Hey, we're going to do something about this out of frustration, which is kind of, you know, I'm not a big fan of career politicians, Bernie Sanders and some of these people have never actually worked outside of, mm-hmm. of, of, of government, but the ones who do well, the Ron DeSantis and, and, and Christy Nome and, you know, governors make such a big role, but a big difference here. Sherwood2022.com. You can go there, download your app, but they can continue to be sure to hear directly from you. You have real answers for these problems. You have real solutions lined up, ready to go day mm-hmm. one to make Oklahoma the state people refer to like they talk about Florida. Like, oh, you're escaping to the free state of yep. Oklahoma. That is your vision for that state. It is, and it's going to happen. Uh, we are not going to just make it a vision that's a pipe dream. We need to make this dream a reality. And, and if we can, as we walk through this and it becomes the reality, uh, we're going to see Oklahoma free again. We're going to see Florida become freer, and we're going to see other states become free as well. And it's going to be a movement that goes on. And I am not a politician. We don't need any more politicians. Right. We need leaders. Politicians out, leaders in. Fear goes out. Courage comes in. And when we do, we're going to see this republic saved, and it's safe from a local and state level. And it's an honor to go out there and represent the people of Oklahoma and even the people of the United States of America in this. And certainly, certainly, we're going to be people that they're going to be proud of and proud to stand behind as their governor and first lady. I love it. You can also find out more about Dr. Sherwin and his practice by going to drsogood.com. Drsogood.com. That is our nickname for him. Yeah, we, so we, we gave him that. We gave him that website. name. It's not, a, it's, it's not a self-proclaimed name. It's uh, <laughs> no, one we, we threw on him. It's one that we gave him, but drsogood.com. You can go there and find out more about his clinic. He has other things there as well. But Dr. Sherwood, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much that you are setting things to the side, you and Dr. Michelle, and you're like, we're going to do whatever it takes to save our country, not just save the people within it, but do what we can, even in running for governor. You know, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And and Flyover Country, I would tell you guys right now, if you've ever been frustrated with the leadership that you've seen, with the deaths that have been caused because of a lack of leadership, get behind the good ones. Yes. Get behind the good ones. This is a good one. This is one you pray for. Oh, I wish we had a Ron DeSantis here. I'll tell you what, there's there's people even better, mm-hmm. you know, and he's amazing. But there's a lot of great leaders out there that are now stepping into this realm and bringing what they had in another field into this one. And this guy's one of them. Yes. So thanks again, Dr. Sherwood, for joining us today. I'm so honored. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you most of all for being my friend.